For several weeks we've been ministering out of the book of Proverbs on the family and the main focus has been upon the admonition or that we should rather say the commandment out of Ephesians for the husbands to love their wives. Proverbs 14.26 says that in the fear of the Lord there is a strong fortress and our goal has been to teach the Word of God in such a way that we can really put a focus upon our families and to make that a, a strong fortress in this time when families are in many places disarray. So the emphasis has been upon the husband, since you're the head of the home, then it's your responsibility to take the lead and to do what God says, and that is to love your wives. We've said that that can occur by developing the fear of the Lord, Psalm 128, by setting forth an example of love and respect in the home, Ephesians 5 and verse 33, I believe. And then we began to raise the question, since the Bible commands us as men to love our wives, what is involved in that? And I'd like to talk about four things. I'm only going to cover two today, two next week, and then I'm going to begin to start speaking to the wives. First of all, when, when it, the commandment is to for us to love our wives, we do that by being a provider financially, by being a provider spiritually for our wives. We're spiritually to be the head of our homes. And we do that, secondly, we, and we touched on this last week, and I'd like to pick up at this point. We do this by doing a work of examination in your home and family to restore it back to its first love. I mean, ask yourself the question, men. Is my family, is, there, is the love in my family where it should be? Is my family an enjoyable place to be, a loving place to be? Is it, a, is it a good place to raise my children, my family? I've had sometimes men say to me, there's just no love in this marriage. Or I don't sense the love in this marriage that we once had. And my response has always been back, if there's no love in your marriage, put it in. If you want more love in your marriage, you're the leader, you're the head, you're in charge. If you want more kindness, more patience, more love, more sacrificial giving, if you want more respect, what do you want in your home and family? If you want your home and family to be blessed of the Lord, then you have to say to yourself, I'm the leader, I'm the head. If there's not the love here that should be here, I'm the one that should set the example by loving my wife and loving my children, show them an example, and then expect them to follow it. But you can't expect them to follow something that you're not going to do. If you're not going to be the head of your home, uh, you know, we're talking to you guys. Focus, look at your, look at your families and say, what, what do I need to do here to, to uh, tune up my family, so to speak? If there's no love in your family, put it in. Remember Deuteronomy 24, 5 without reading there? God told the, the children of Israel, He said, when a man marries a woman, 
for the first year, he's not to get involved in business. He's not to get involved in the military. He's to spend one year at home with his wife to get to know her. That's because marriages were arranged. You didn't have this dating game that, you, that you've got today. Marriages were arranged by parents. I mean, that was the whole theme of the musical Fiddler on the Roof and the tradition that was there. Marriages were arranged, and basically a man was told, here's your wife, and a woman was told, here's your husband. And then God said, okay, you got a year to learn to live together and a year, a year to learn to love and respect one another. And they put love into that marriage. They put respect into that marriage. And they did that by getting closer. In our culture, we don't run it, we don't have that type of thing where, but what we have is where men and women will, will date one another to determine to see if, when, if whether or not this is the person that I want to come together with to establish and have a family and raise that family, raise my children to be a blessing unto the Lord. And then later on, after my children are gone, I want to, I want to be with this woman or I want to be with this man and I want to grow old and gray together. I want her to be here. If, if something happens to me and I get sick or uh, I get disabled, I want to be here for her. If something is for her, if she gets sick or she gets disabled or something, I want to raise a family and I want to be here in the older age to whereby we can live and share and help and minister to one another. And you, and as far as I know, unless you get married in front of a judge and, and you don't make those kind of vows, when people make those vows in front of a minister like myself, that's what they're saying. They're saying before God, I'm taking a vow and I'm taking this woman or I'm taking this man for better or worse, sickness and health, and joy and sorrow, and however they want to adapt their vows, you're making a vow before God that this is what I'm coming together purposeful to do. And if you find that things don't work out like they should, oftentimes it's because men and women have left their first love. The first love is spoken of in the book of Revelation where God says to to the church at Ephesus, He says, you've left your first love. There are many positive things about that church, but He says, you've left your first love. They They had lost that joy of the Lord, that enthusiasm, that zeal, that excitement, that interest and hunger that they had when they first got born again. When a man or a woman gets born again, they have a real desire to want to learn more about the Lord and serve the Lord. I can remember in my early days, there were a lot of zealous things that I did. I had a, a red Bible, for example, and that red Bible was because uh, another minister by the name of Harrington he had this, he was a fiery preacher and he had a red Bible. So I wanted a red Bible because I wanted to be a fiery preacher like him. I just had some enthusiasm and zeal. And I went, we went around to different seminars and meetings and I got every book I could get my hand on. I was studying and reading because I had a real hunger that was there. I had a first love. In the home and marriage with the first love, the honeymoon takes place and then, you know, there's a, there is a, a loving relationship and friendship and communicating and talking and getting to know one another that develops in the early portions of a marriage. But after a while, men and women tend to go their different directions. That's what that thing is on the screen with some arrows pointing. 
Women tend to focus upon their households, their family, their children. And men tend to move off in a direction whereby they start focusing on their hobbies and their work and other interests and other things. And what happens so often in marriages is when these two split off, then the wife oftentimes gets frustrated and gets upset because she sees that he's not showing the interest toward her and the children and the household that he once did. And the only way that she knows, she feels inwardly that I'm losing his love. He doesn't love me like he once said. I've had said to me on more than one occasion, all this guy's interested in is a is a bed partner. All he's interested in is sex. I feel like I'm being used. He really, he's nice and loving and kind and wonderful when he wants something, but otherwise he's just shooting off on his own. And a lot of marriages dissolve because men and women are going in two different directions. And so the commandment, husbands love your wives, given to the man, is basically something where God, more by God is saying to the man, Turn from your selfish, independent, self-occupied direction and don't lose focus upon your family. Have you lost your first love? Are you focusing upon your family? Are you putting love into your family? Make a left-hand turn and move back in that direction. When it doesn't occur, the normal the normal way that a wife, and not, you know, there's exceptions to everything I say here, but a lot of women will begin to start complaining. A lot of women will begin to start expressing their frustrations because now they've got the family dumped upon them and they see their husband moving off in a different direction and they start bringing out these frustrations. And when the complaining and the frustrations come out, the man interprets that as a lack of respect and he doesn't like that. Men want to be respected. And when they don't get that respect, because they got a nagging wife, then the result is that instead of responding back in love, they get upset, they start to get angry. And the way that they respond to what they interpret is as a lack of respect can be done in either one of two ways. They can get angry, they can get upset, or if they're Christian... They're going to try to obey the Lord in that area and they're going to try to keep their cool. The Bible says in Proverbs 14.7, Proverbs 21.9, we read these last week, go from the presence of an angry woman. When things are not going right in the home and family and your wife's angry and upset and, and friction's coming in, and, it may be, and, and she's probably right in what's going on. Don't get angry and upset and start hollering and yelling back and all of that because, quote, you're the man, but that's going to be the natural tendency for the man to do that. And if he's trying to control his spirit, what he'll do sometimes is just take off on his own for a cool-down period, get away. I'm going to go ride my bicycle. I'm going to go work in my garden. I'm going to go um, do this, that, or the other, set myself down in front of TV. I'm going to go for a walk. I can remember when I was growing up, my, I can remember my dad many, many times just going out to the garden and getting away from friction and problems that were going on. I mean, I knew they were there because I was a kid in the house and I saw them. And sometimes he'd explode, but then I, I uh, he would try to get away from that. And he wasn't a Christian. A Christian is one that's going to try to get away from that, but the way that they do it is by 
moving in a moving in a direction of clamming up and cooling down. And cooling down is okay, that's good, the Bible commands it, but at the same time, the issue isn't resolved. The problems don't get taken care of. Men will just as leave, hope it goes away by itself. They don't try to deal with the issue. And so you just end up going in a big, big circle, and the result is things don't get done as they should get done. Men, women want things resolved. Talks cheap. They want things resolved. If there's a problem, they want the problem worked at, focused on, resolved. Men would rather not take and focus on a problem. They're doing that at their work. They're doing that at other times. Man, they just rather enjoy themselves at home rather than take on problems, fix up things or change bad attitudes or habits or whatever. And so things don't get done. The result, well, that friction keeps going. With women, women, for example, if they quarrel with one another or if they have a uh, uh, problem with one another, like a mother or a daughter or a mother or a woman and a friend, sometimes they just get blunt. And they bring that out. And they express their complaints. And I've watched women. Some women aren't this way, but most women get over things with other women pretty quick and they'll ask for forgiveness and they'll say they're sorry and they go on. And the issues are resolved. Sometimes I've thought to myself, man, I wish I could get along with her as good as that. But that's just sometimes women to women. Men, on the other hand, instead of them being like the woman in this case that maybe is offended and saying back to the wife, hon, you're right, I'm sorry, I apologize. And I will start working and taking care of this. Just simply, humbly apologize. Because I want to get that first love back in my marriage. What did you do, guys, when you were dating? Did you find that you apologized with your wife more? Did you find that you worked at making your wife happy more? I mean, if all you did is fight and quarrel, why did you ever get married? Did you want to marry a, a problem? No. You worked it out. You worked at trying to get along. Well, if that is no longer there anymore, then work at it. Don't perceive her complaining as a lack of respect. Don't take it as a personal attack. All it is is a complaint to get something done. Because you veered off in your own direction. You're so focused on your hobbies and your interests and your work and your buddies and the things that you want to do, and you're neglecting areas that ought to be not neglected. And frustration starting to come out. Men usually call it a nagging wife. But she's not nagging. She's just bringing out the truth, a problem. You promised her a month ago you'd fix that hole in the roof. And the ceiling is getting more and more yellow. You promised her a month ago that you'd look at that toilet that keeps on running. It still hasn't looked at yet. She's tired of crawling under the car and wiring up the muffler with a coat hanger. Because you won't get it done. I mean, the, the list is endless. So if she's complaining, it's not. she's not personally trying to attack you. She just wants the roof fixed. She just wants the muffler to stay on. You know what I'm saying? 
It's not a personal thing. So don't interpret it as a lack of respect because when you do that, you'll want to get angry or you'll want to clam up and that doesn't solve the problem. This is not just um, something that is thrown out of the head. A national survey was taken one time among men. I think I read this last week. And the question was asked, because men want respect. But you're not going to get it, men, unless you first love your wife. Love begets love. If you want love, love. Love gets love. You'll get respect from your wife when you love her. It, it, it's If you have... You're first. That's all I can say. You're first. You gotta do these things. And when you're the loving, respectful person, when you're the loving guy you ought to be, it will not be difficult for your wife to show you the respect that should be shown. But men want respect. A question was once asked in a national survey. In the middle of a conflict with my wife or significant other, I am more likely to feel, A, that my wife or other, significant other, doesn't respect me right now, or B, that my wife or my significant other doesn't love me right now. Men would say respect. 81.5% said that. They interpreted it as a lack of respect. Scientifically, same way. Men, their heart rate tends to rise when a quarrel begins to start taking place in a home or family. And the older you get, the more you know that I can't do this. My blood pressure is starting to rise, and I'm not going to have a heart attack. I'm not going to have a stroke. I'm going to settle down. And so what happens is uh, men will put away the anger and take off and get away from the situation. And that's okay to a degree, but if taking off and getting away from the situation is not coming back, cooled down, and... Okay, honey, let's sit down and let's talk about this and let's work this out and let's resolve this and making what we'll say in just a moment, making peace in that situation, nothing's getting done. When you were dating, you were a peacemaker. When you were dating, you were a loving person. When you were dating, you didn't have a lot of these self-interest things that you've gotten involved in. Go back to your first love. Do a work of examination and ask yourself the question, have I let a lot of this, a lot of things come in as a hindrance to my marriage and I'm not showing the attention and the love and the kindness toward my wife and family as I once did? There is nothing worth coming between you and your wife and children. If you think it is, you're wrong. If you take a cool down, he may drive off, go out to the garden, garage, mow the lawn, she says it's irresponsible procrastination on the issue, and so how do you solve it? Well, Proverbs 14.8, I'm right here, it says, The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his ways. What Solomon basically is saying is what Paul said in the book of Romans and 1 Corinthians, do a work of self-examination. Ask yourself the question, have I allowed other things in my life to come before my wife and my children? And if I have, then what does God say I should do about it? It's real simple. Husbands, love your wives. Get back to putting them number one. 
Make them number one in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 11 is an interesting passage because what it says there is that you as a man and you as a woman, we need one another. We need one another. 1 Corinthians 11, 11 says, Neither is the man without the woman, and neither is the woman without the man. As the woman is of the man, even so the man is also of the woman. All things are of God. As a man, you need your wife and kids. Don't listen to the, to the liberated, divorced men at work. They're not telling you the whole story. I've had men, for example, that will get frustrated in their marriage and talk to other men that have been divorced and they make it sound like, oh yeah, I got rid of my old witch too. Well, I'd never go that way again. All this other nonsense. And trust me, they pay dearly. The courts are still favoring the woman. You'll pay dearly. You'll regret it. You'll you'll pay dearly in this life as well as in the next. But on the other hand, the woman, don't let yourself become so frustrated either to whereby you say, man, I could just get me another man. I'm going to talk about this next week. These little jabs where sometimes men will say to their wives, if you don't straighten out, I'm going to get me a new model. What a stupid thing to say. Maybe once, maybe, maybe an occasional jab, but to me that's like taking a sharp knife and just kind of poking it in your skin. Just enough to make a little blood come out. It hurts. It hurts. And what a stupid statement to make. You got the, you guys have got the best models you could ever want. <laughs> but anyways, we need one another. So men, my admonition is this. Be a man. Provide for your wife. Love your wife. Sacrifice for your wife. Be a man. Don't be like the coward that I once saw on a movie called The Titanic where the, you know, they were portraying how that the ship had been sunk, had been cut up by ice. And there were some men that were the cowards that were trying to hide under the covers of the lifeboats because their life was far more important than some poor woman. What a coward. Men have always said, women and children first. Women and children first. Women and children first. I remember one time I was watching a movie in which they were showing an airplane that had been taken over by terrorists. And when they were pleading for with the terrorists to show some sign of negotiation, they didn't say, let all the men off first. Let the men go. No, what did they say? Give us the women and the children. And the men went along with that. Yes, they go first. Because they they are the weaker vessel. And so men through the years have in some various ways shown their love for their wives and children by putting them first. Put them first. That's what we're saying. Go back to what you initially desired when you got married, and that was that I want to get married to raise a family and have a wife, to love a wife, 
and I want to provide for her. I want to protect her. I want to uh, love her. I show her that I love her. Go back to that. Don't let things come in that could interfere in that regard. You can do that by just simple things. Learn to talk. Open up. Share. Express. Express your desires without arrogance and selfishness and control. If you send something wrong, I mean, you, you guys don't know your wives. I know mine. I've been married to her for 38 years. I know my wife. I can tell when something's wrong. When something's wrong, I'll say, did I say something? Did I do something? If she says no, I drop it. Just drop it. Because she may be, it may be something totally different. And if she wants to let me know and, and ask for my help, she will. And if not, I'll just let her deal with it herself rather than be a pest. But I focus on, when I got married, I married my best friend. I married my best friend. And in my marriage, I focus on keeping her my best friend. I mean, we have our times where we want a little space, but for the most part, I married my best friend, and I want to keep her that way, and so I focus on not letting myself get caught up into things that could interfere with that. When we first got married, the things that were important to us as a family or as a husband and wife, we enjoyed musicals, we would drive new places, try out new restaurants, prepared for home. We did a lot of different things together. And I talked about that last week. But the important thing is to focus on your first love. Nothing wrong with a little space, but your wife will feel more loved when you do things like hold her hand, give her a hug, show some affection without sexual intentions, be alone together so you can laugh, you can focus on each other, go for a walk, a bike ride, a movie, set a date night. You know, you gotta, you gotta go back to what you did when you first got married. I mean, what, what did they do in the Old Testament for that one year when they were not supposed to work and not go to military service for one year? What did they do for a year? They talked. They shared. They planned. They did things. If you could do that today, what would you do? Well, you'd, you'd, you'd bicycle together. You'd go on walks together. You'd train a dog together. You might cook meals together. You might do some wash clothes together. You might work together in the garden. You would spend time together to get to know one another. And that's what I'm saying. Today's society, men and women, split off in their own directions. And so there's not the getting the closeness together like there should be. If that's not there, then follow the things that I've mentioned and put it into practice. Well, let me go on. I talked about that last week. If you weren't here, you can get the CD-ROM or plug it in online. Anybody here get go online and download any of the teachings that are online? Can I see your hands? Is anybody? A couple of you? Good. Because I noticed last month in July, under the heading of the family, the downloads on the on my website doubled. They average about 210 a month, and they went up around 440. So that means that's like 440 times somebody's listening. Somebody is, and and 
and I praise God that people are interested. And the number one download has been for many, many, many months. Subjects on the family and husbands loving their wives. Well, another way that men can show their love to their wives, secondly, is by being a peacemaker. You need to be the peacemaker. Now, keep in mind, I, I'm not, I'll, I'll focus on wives later. I mean, she needs to be a peacemaker too. But men, you need to be the peacemaker. Marriage is going to have its rifts. Where there's no peace, there'll be tension. There'll be little jabs. There'll be walking on eggshells. Uh, things are just not going to be warm and fuzzy like they ought to be. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, when things, when there's tension and strife and quarreling and fighting in the home, first of all, you're turning off your prayer life. You're going to find where answers to prayer are not going to be as common and frequent as they would be because of the bad relationship you have with your wife and children. I read, I, I read where one minister who's been a counselor for many years he said when men have come to him, he's a pastor, men have come to him and said, I'm, I just don't have a very good prayer life. I'm not getting answers to prayers like I should. He said the first thing I ask him is, what's your relationship with your wife? And he said invariably they'll say, my wife has nothing to do with this. I'm not getting answers to prayers. And he'll come back and, a and ask them again, what is your relationship to your wife? God says if you want answered prayer in your life, work on your family first. I mean, God answers the littlest of things. When Elliot got wiped out by a car yesterday, he could not remember anything. He thought it was Friday. He asked me probably at least ten times where his glasses were. Asked me several times if it was Friday. He was basically out of it. I mean, he I had thought at first he might have had a mental breakdown. He was not with it. And we and we prayed over him a few times and God began to restore him back. And I can remember where uh, him and I prayed together because he couldn't find his glasses. And we prayed together. And I was driving down Broadway heading toward North Baltimore and I said, Lord, show us where his glasses are at. Now they could be anywhere. And as we got up to Tar Street, he said, I think I turned here. Turned left. I went down this street. Went down this street. We went through a few stop signs. He says, I think I turned here. Turned here. I turned there. I went from about here to twice, maybe the street out there. And out in the middle of the road were his glasses. You know how hard it is to find, you know, they weren't great big old bozo glasses. You know? Nowadays, these kids get these skimpy little wireframe things that you wonder how they get last because they're you know, they look like they're so, so about the thickness of a paper clip. But there they were out in the middle of the road. Of course, they were smashed and gone. I mean, it isn't like he got them back. We got them back, but they're, he'll have to have them replaced. But yet, you know, I have not a clue. He has not a clue. He doesn't know what's going on. And a simple prayer, Lord, show us where Elliot's glasses are at. And God just directs us right there. This kind of stuff happens quite frequently. I don't mean always broken glasses. I mean just constant little answers to prayer. But is relationship with my wife important? Yes, it is, guys. 
if I'm fighting and quarreling with my wife and I'm not getting along with her, if I'm being selfish and self-centered, your prayer is going to be hindered. It's very plain in 1 Peter 3. He says, Husbands, verse 7, dwell with them according to knowledge and give honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel. Now, weaker doesn't always mean necessarily physical weak. I mean, I hate to put Dolan and Jen together. She might want him. You know, she goes home and she goes home and helps Dad throw bales of hay around while he sits in front of a computer. I don't know. That'd be a tough call, but I don't think she's really the weakest of the two. That's a challenge to Dolan. He doesn't care. He's thick skinned like his dad. I prayed for the heart of an elephant and the height of a rhino, and I think he got it too. But anyways, uh, what he's saying there is more sensitive. And because she is more sensitive, you're, you've got to learn to be careful with what you say. That, isn't that true? I mean, women can say things to men, and they can be sometimes really kind of cruel and mean. And if he takes offense at it, you know, and starts to pout a little bit, you know what she'll say? Be a man! Grow up! Don't be a baby! Come on! But boy, if you say the wrong thing to a woman, guys, look out. Because she's sensitive. I mean, she's like a porcelain bowl. You're like a golf ball. I mean, you could be, you ought to be able to be beat around and not have any problems with it. But she's like, I was going to say an ant, like one of those precious porcelain bowls on the antique roadshow, but that automatically makes her sound like she's old and antique, and she's not. So just a, a rare, expensive china bowl, you handle it with care. And that's what he's saying here. Give honor unto the wife. Now I'm going to focus on honor in another message. That's really important. But give honor. Honor your wife. Because she's a sensitive person. She's more sensitive than you are. She's the woman. And so don't be harsh and cruel and so forth with what you're, with what you say. You are heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. He says, be of one mind, have compassion one of another, love his brethren, be pitiful. Pitiful doesn't, is a poor translation there. He's talking about being Kind and courteous and polite. Not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing, but contrawise blessing. Knowing that thereunto you are called that you should inherit a blessing. He, him, the man, it's masculine in the Greek, he, verse 10, for he, that's the way I'm putting it at you because I'm talking to the men. For he that will love life and good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. We've covered that last 10-15 minutes. Let him hate evil and do good. And then look at this again. Let him seek peace and pursue it. You be the peacemaker. You be the problem resolver. You be the one to make peace. You be the one that after a cool down period, you get back there and you say, Honey, I'm sorry. Let's see if we can work this out. Let's see if we can talk this out. 
What is it exactly that you want? What exactly am I doing wrong? Oh, that just sounds so anti-masculine, doesn't it? So anti-man. And yet, I'm just reading to you what the Bible says. It says that the men is to seek peace. Men, we're to be peacemakers. Matthew 5 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God. Romans chapter 12, he speaks again about the importance of not rendering evil for evil, but contrawise blessing. And he tells us as men to be peacemakers. Bless the, he goes, he says, be of the same mind toward one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. Recompense to no man evil for evil, but provide a honest, beautiful spirit in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lies in you, that is, that it depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Be a peacemaker. Be the leader. I mean, you gotta, you gotta look at, there, there are gonna be rifts and problems that come in to a home. And you gotta ask the question, okay, how am I gonna get this thing, how is this problem gonna be resolved? By me just waiting for my wife to come on bended knee, begging and pleading for forgiveness? Is she the head of the home? Is she the leader of the home? Is she the one that is in charge? You say, well, yeah, but she's the one that did wrong. Well, maybe she did. But you're to be a peacemaker. You're the one that says, okay, there's some problems here. Let's see if we can't talk them out. Let's see if we can't resolve these issues. What do you think we need to do to work these things out? There are going to be rifts and problems and difficulties come into every home. It's nonsense to think that it's not. But... What you can do is either control the sparks to whereby uh, that fiery problem when it comes in can be to good, or you can just let it go and destroy. You know what the park system do when it with, with fires? Sometimes they control those fires. There's some parks out in Wood County that have, plain, they have planes and different uh, weeds and brush. And they'll actually set them on fire because when they're, burning off all those things that may look beautiful to some, underneath the seeds that get exposed and what comes forth is sometimes five and ten times the amount of beauty that was there that was hidden underneath. Sometimes when husbands and wives have difficulties and problems, think about it. I'm sure it's happened in your marriage. As you work things out and you worked out problems, sometimes you actually had a better relationship after things worked out, because you're learning to live with one another. You're learning to grow with one another. Men, say to yourself, I'm going to be the peacemaker. If you don't, if you're going to hold on to your stubbornness and you're not going to try to be the peacemaker and you get your, mad, get your wife mad enough and upset enough at you, you'll pay. You'll pay in some way or another. Mine used to go out shopping. The days before cell phones, sometimes as I traveled, I'd get her a little upset or whatever, and then if I tried to call, you know, you had to drive 40 miles to get to a payphone or something without getting off the whole track, and I'd call home, try to see how things were going, and sometimes the kids would say, Mom's gone. I knew it. Oh, I'd say, why did you do that, Mike? 
Because I'd get her upset and she'd go shopping. And then when I'd come home, she'd say, look what I got. You know, making me pay. And then I'd think about it. If it isn't that, sometimes wives, they'll get cold. Or sometimes they'll become history teachers. You know what a history teacher is? If you don't resolve the problem, your wife will become a history teacher. She will just let that thing go over and over and over again in her mind as she stirs it around, and you'll hear about it for the next maybe ten years or more. You don't believe me? I could say some things from the pulpit. Of of things that I said to my wife, nasty comments or whatever, and instead of seeking to resolve them right away, I let them go and let them stir up and let them become more embedded. And I guarantee if I brought it up, she could laugh and tell you the whole story, even though it was 30 years ago. If you don't want to ever hear it again, then resolve it. So how do you resolve it? By being a peacemaker. That's our responsibility as men. Men would like rather to just, instead of being a peacemaker, they would just like to say, okay, okay, just drop it, okay? I don't want to hear it anymore. Just drop it. When rifts and problems come in. They don't want to talk about it. They just want to say, okay, just forget it. Let's just not talk about it. That's not a woman's nature. Women want to work it out. Women want to talk it out. Some men do too. Some men won't let it drop. They want to just, they want to deal with it. And the problem is that men would just as leave, drop it and forget it and go on rather than to apologize and to say that they're sorry. Women will sit around and churn it like butter. They don't get an apology from a husband on something. They'll sit there and think about it and roll it over in their minds and make it bigger and blow things out of proportion more and more to whereby they're creating a whole lot bigger problem. But our responsibility as men is what? What's our responsibility, men? To go to your wife and to simply say, Honey, I apologize. I'm sorry. Let's work this out. I mean, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. A. Husbands love your wife. What does love entail? B. Being a peacemaker. Hello? And so if you want peace and harmony and blessing in your home, love your wife by being the person that pursues the problem to resolve it and bring about peace. It's your You're the man. It's your responsibility. You say, well, what if she doesn't want to hear it, talk about it, resolve it? Put the ball in her court. Don't argue and quarrel. But there's a place of just simply saying, if she won't receive it, well, I'm sorry, hon, but all I can do is apologize, and that's it. And go on. Why is it hard for men to do that? Eh, a little pride, loss of sense of respect. I mean, the attitude is, I'm the man. I'm not the one that should be going to, on bended knee, try to get this situation resolved. 
I'm the man. You know, I sure am glad Jesus didn't think that way when he went to the cross. Because the whole focus of the cross was to make peace with men that had continually worked against him. To reconcile that relationship between the human beings and God their creator. He's the reconciler. He was the atonement maker. He got on the cross. He died and suffered for something that he didn't do. So how do we make peace? By simply convincing her that you are sincerely sorry. I mean, to have the attitude that, that uh, you have to have the right attitude. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Here are some things that will help in that situation. Control the tone of your voice. Arguing, getting angry, getting upset and yelling, it isn't going to solve anything. Control the tone of your voice. Things happen. I'll tell you something that happened here just recently. My wife went outside, I don't know, maybe a few weeks ago, whatever, and she saw a pair of her nylon black shorts on the landscaping of the driveway. And so she assumed, uh-oh, she's, uh-oh, she's pointing at me here. She assumed, I'll get it right on, I didn't know you were listening in there. She assumes, I know her. Okay, okay. She automatically assumed I took them out of the Jeep through one landscaping. I don't believe that I did. Maybe I did. I don't believe that I did, but maybe I did. I'll go that far. <laughs> okay. I still don't think I did. I did. She didn't give me the signal back there. So anyways, I went to go swimming the other day. Remember I told you I'd swim in some laps? And so our bathing suits were in the Jeep together and I couldn't find mine and I kept looking all over the place and I'm, you know, where's my bathing suit? Where's my bathing suit? Who took my bathing suit? What you do with my bathing suit? <laughs> and I found it right where I laid it. But anyways, it got her looking on where my bathing suit is and her bathing suit always went with these black shorts that she found on the landscaping. So the more she's churning this thing up, she just assumes that, well, since the ding-dong took my shorts out of my Jeep and threw them on the landscaping, that means that he threw my bathing suit on the landscaping and who knows what happened to it. Maybe the dog took it and ran off with it or whatever. And so what does she do? She gets online. She's going to get herself a new bathing suit because her cuss of a husband threw her bathing suit away. And then as she's churning this thing up, more and more, I had bought some new clothes, and I bought a size smaller, but then when I got them home, I thought, you know what, I should have bought two sizes smaller, because the size smaller is still too big, so rather than wear this pair, I left it in the bag with the receipt, and I told her, I said, we'll take this back and go down one more size. So when I pull in the garage after my swimming workout, there's the bag of brand new clothes sitting on the garage floor. Now, why did she do that? Because she's upset. You know, if he's going to throw my clothes away, I'm going to throw his clothes away type attitude. It's just a woman thing. And so, 
I didn't pass this one of those five stars, guys. I called her and said, that was a mean, nasty thing to do. Actually, it said a little more gruff than that. My conscience bothered me, and I thought, you know what, Mike? You were not doing what you know is right. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer will turn away wrath, but grievous words will stir up anger. And I thought, way to go. You just made her more angry. You didn't resolve anything. You didn't work through anything. It would have been better to just call and say, Hon, I see that you laid my clothes on the floor, so that means that's a signal that you're still upset about your bathing suit, and all I can do is just reassure you that I didn't touch your bathing suit. And leave it at that. Put the ball in her court. I didn't quite say it that way, but I thought about it afterwards, and so I called her a few hours later, and I said, uh, hey, how about having lunch with me? And she laughed, because she knew what I was doing, trying to make peace, trying to resolve the issue. So we went to lunch, and I determined I'm not going to bring this up because I don't want to get I don't want to get embarrassed in front of a bunch of people hearing a lecture about how I threw her bathing suit out in the yard. So it didn't come up, and she didn't bring it up, which was amazing. And then later on in the day, I said, "Did you find your bathing suit?" She said, "Yeah, I found it. It was right where she left it." Now at that point, I could have said, "Oh my goodness." What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? You know, hey, hon, you're not flipping that curtain anymore in there. <laughs> what do you? <laughs> but you don't do that, you know, because as I as I think about it, and as you think about it, when it comes to rifts in your marriage, is there any one person that's not at fault? No, it's usually it's usually two. When problems and difficulties come in, you can find where you've messed up and she's messed up. And men, all I can say is control your attitude, control your speech, apologize, and determine in your heart that you're going to be a peacemaker. Let's make this real quick and we'll scoop. Number two, don't put the blame on her. Just confess your blame. Don't start in with this. Okay, but you made me do this. Or okay, but you got your faults here. Okay, you, but you're not perfect. Just simply say, as a peacemaker, "Hun, you're right. I'm wrong. I sincerely ask your forgiveness. Let's see if we can't work it out." Humility goes a long way. Pride and arrogance is not going to take you anywhere. I was watching. I think it's back. My wife was watching a program and then she told me about it. And it was a program to whereby a man and a woman were married for just a, a few years and the man was just nothing but a control freak. He was an accountant. And the woman, after she got to know him more and he turned and went his own direction, he became just a real control freak, especially in the area of money, but other things. To the point to whereby every time she bought something, she had to give him a receipt. Well, the marriage is just deteriorating and she finds somebody else along the way and ends up getting into an affair in the marriage and this guy ends up becoming a real louse and ends up killing the woman. 
So they are interviewing the husband who is the accountant. And he says, and they're asking him the question about what was dissolving his marriage. And they said, is it really true that you are requiring of your wife a receipt for everything or just the big things? And he said, no, everything. Everything. I mean, if she went out and bought a package of M&M's at the drive-thru and a receipt came in, he wanted the receipt. He was just a control freak. And the person said, the interviewer said to him, are you really that, I don't know the exact word, are you really that controlling or are you really that strict? And he said, I am what I am. You know? And I thought when I heard that, I thought that's the way some men are. That instead of changing, their attitude is, I am what I am. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to humbly apologize to my wife. I'm not going to be a peacemaker. I'm not going to resolve things. She'll just have to accept me for what I am. That's the attitude of an unregenerate. That's the attitude of a non-Christian. But I'm speaking to Christians this morning, and the and the admonition, it ought to be plain, husbands, love your wives, and husbands, you can do that by being a peacemaker. Humility will go a long way. Get rid of your arrogance and your pride and your arguments of why you shouldn't do this and put it in your heart that you are going to determine to be a peacemaker. Because the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Return to your first love and be a peacemaker. i got two more things that I want to say and then I'm going to talk to the ladies. But don't let these things slip, guys. They're, They're very important. If you want peace and harmony and love in your home, you're the leader. Put it in. Father, we ask you to bless the word to our hearts and help each one of us here learn to apply this in our own marriages and situations. But I ask for a special work of conviction by the Holy Spirit upon each man here that he recognizes that yes, he is the head of the home and yes, he does have the final say on important matters. But he also is to follow the example and leadership of Jesus. And when there was difficulties and problems and rifts in our relationship with Father God, it was he that came down here and paid the penalty himself by getting on the cross to reconcile us into a marriage relationship by being a peacemaker. And he continually works in ways to maintain that loving relationship with him. And that we need to focus upon that as the men in our homes. That we need to focus upon my relationship to my wife and my children and to keep it a loving, caring, kind, blessed home. Father, use the word to help the men give their homes a tune-up. And I ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys and gals, you got something to think about. God bless.